0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash Impact.
0: What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast. Just watch a crazy game. Bears Steelers. Dude missed like a seventy-yard field goal. I thought for a second the Bears were going to pull off a crazy upset. Back and forth. The last, the fourth quarter is pretty good. Rest of the game, not so much. Uh, but we'll dive into the game off the top. Three things really stood out to me: uh, Belichick, some takes there. I mean, holy moly, they're coming. Sam Darnold's in shambles. Jordan Love debut did not go great. Luckily for the Packers, their starting quarterback will be back. Patrick Mahomes is just off. I'll, I'll dive into that. Matt Stafford, something I saw that's a little concerning. Lamar Jackson might win his second MVP. So just get ready. And I apologize yesterday to Cliff Kingsbury. Steve Kime deserves a little credit too. The team he's built is really fantastic. Subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, leave a review. Uh, if you guys want to get your question answered here on the show, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Slide up into the DMs and get your questions answered. I, I guess let's really quick start with the officials. Uh, I, I'm done complaining after this week because it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You know why it doesn't matter? Is because the officials in the NFL have been terrible for a long time. Now, we can disagree with the taunting calls. It was clearly stupid. But just the constant fucking flags are driving me nuts. But the NFL is not, it's not driving them nuts. Because if they wanted them to stop, they would. If they wanted there to be less flags, there would. Period. Point blank. End of story. And there just isn't. They do not care. Like a couple weeks ago, when the Netflix employees wanted, Chappelle canceled. Reed Hastings and Netflix pretended like they gave a shit. They did not. You know why? Chappelle makes them a lot of money. He gets people on their couches to click on Netflix. They're in the business of getting your eyeballs. You know what the NFL is in the business of doing? Getting people to watch their games. You know what's up right now? Ratings. So you and I and everyone listening to this can complain about the officials till till we are blue in the face. It simply does not matter. They simply at the league office do not give a shit. They do not care about the constant just just never-ending barrage of flags. I I do not watch these games for the referees. It felt like the referee tonight when Cassius Marsh got the taunting penalty, he hip-checked him. It's like, I wouldn't have blamed Cassius Marsh if he would have shoved his ass to the ground. But You know, the NFL does not care. They are not bothered by it because as long as ratings are up, everyone's printing money. I say it all the time. The league office did not care tonight who wins, who loses. They all win. It's like, what do they say about Phil Knight? It's like, you know, he doesn't lose that often. As long as both sides are wearing the Nike logo, he's winning. (laughs) You know, that's what the NFL. As long as you're sitting on your couch watching Monday Night Football, and I'm sure 15 million people watch this, just like 20 million people watch Sunday Night Football, and just like 12 million more will watch Thursday Night Football, who cares if there's 7 million penalties? And we all scream and hoot and holler on Twitter. They don't. Roger does not. His, you know, The people around him do not. The coaches do. The GMs do. The players do. The league office does not. So we can get up in arms all we want about it. It is not going to change. It just simply is not. So it's just I, I I just I don't have any more energy to keep screaming at these guys because I I can't stand to see one more yellow flag on the field. It's just exhausting. Every ticky tack PI call, every tick, just the ticky tack calls are just they. But they're not going to stop. So why even get mad over? it? And then I was thinking about this watching the Steelers tonight. Uh, I, I I have nothing but admiration for people. That have a vision for what they want and they'll do anything to get it. And especially those that at a young age that go, I want to do this in life. I I knew some people, hell, even in college, that were like, I want to be rich. I want to have a little lot of money. And now in their mid to late 30s, they're successful. They were on a one track mind. I want to run my own company. And they did it. I tip my hat. I remember when I got to work for the Eagles and I got to know Howie Roseman. The dude wanted to be a GM since he was like seven. And he became a GM at 35 years old. Because on the pursuit for what he's going for, whoever that individual is, there is no, there's just a direct vision for what you're looking for and what you want to accomplish. And I think the best run organizations in sports have the same mindset. They know exactly the type players they want. They do not, you know, get off course. They, they, They do not deviate from the plan. Belichick did it for years. He had a specific type player he looked for. And occasionally, when he got the star player, they had to be in a specific situation. They had to be hungry, and they had to be kind of kicked to the curb. They had to have something to prove. He didn't often get a guy in the peak of their powers, four or five Pro Bowls in. He got Randy Moss when he was at a low point with the Raiders. He got Corey Dillon at a low point. He's done this. He got Revis, right? with Tampa when it wasn't going well after Shiano showed up. And then clearly the Edelman, the Welker types over the years, the Logan Mankins, we can all list the names. I think the Steelers are the same thing. They have a specific type player they look for. And that is the reason they consistently win. Honestly, it feels like Mike Tomlin was put on this earth to be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you close your eyes, and he's been the coach there forever. When I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, I just think Mike Tomlin. But then think about their players. Najee Harris, dude, just fits perfectly on this. Was homeless seven, six years ago, down the street from me. Then he goes to Bama. Now he's a Steeler. Perfect. Minka Fitzpatrick. I thought they were insane for trading a first round pick for him. I shouldn't have. He's a perfect type Steeler. TJ Watt. I mean TJ freaking Watt. It, it's just it, it does It just couldn't make any more sense. You're watching them in the black and gold. You're like, God, this guy was born to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason that they are so consistent that they always have so much talent is their vision and their understanding of exactly what they want. No, oh, should we do this? Oh, should we do that? Oh, let's make an exception for this. No, it's constantly getting the exact type player. And it's the reason that they have so much talent. Because let's face it, Roethlisberger kind of looks like a shot fighter. Are they going to be able to win playoff games with this version of Ben? I think it's going to be very, very difficult. But they do have a ton of talent all around them. And they have really his whole career. It's why when he was in the peak of his powers, they were winning 12, 14 games a year and competing to, you know, late in the playoffs all the time. Sometimes they would lose, but they were always there. They were always in the mix. And I went to Kevin Colbert's Wikipedia page, the general manager. Well, how does he have such an understanding? He's fucking worked for the organization since 1999, 2000. He's been there 21 years. He's been the GM, now 11. The ethos of the Steelers is him. Him and Tomlin combined. What's Tomlin been there? 15 years? He's been there 20? It's like 35 years worth of experience, the two of them. In the culture. In the building. Looking for the players. Being around. I remember when I was at Fresno State and I got to meet Mean Joe Green. But over the years, just all the different iterations of their different eras. They all have the same type guys. I mean, in my backyard, the 49ers, hell, the Raiders, they just always have these different type guys. It's like, oh, let's take this guy. Oh, let's try this guy. Oh, let's do that. I like the people that have a direct vision of what they want. Now, and and once you figure out what works and what doesn't, it becomes pretty unstoppable when you're a high-level person, when you're a high-level organization. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers are. It's why they've been able to overcome the last couple years of bad quarterback play and now old quarterback play. Because they have so much talent. They draft so well. They have so many impact guys. And it's an organizational philosophy that whatever their secret sauce is, if I worked in the NFL, I would try to steal it because they fucking have it. And then the last but not least, I said this last week and I'll say it again, Justin Fields' talent is just immense. It, it, it really is. His arm talent, his, his size, his, just his ability to push the ball down the field, the whole, the whole thing. Now, the one knock I noticed today, he's not the most instinctive runner for a guy that runs. I often compare him to like Kyler and Lamar. Those guys are way more instinctive as runners. But I do think that Fields is a pretty natural passer. He's a more natural passer as a rookie than Lamar was. Now, clearly Lamar now is, again, I think he's going to win a second MVP probably. And Kyler was an excellent passer immediately. Fields is a good passer. Tonight he was 17 to 29, but he hit multiple deep balls uh, I, I just like what I see. I think that guy has a chance to be really, really good. Now, do I trust Ryan Pace to put the talent around him? I do not. Do I trust them to build the team around him, that organization? I do not. Even though they do have Herbert's not bad, Montgomery's not bad, Komet's not bad, Allen Robinson will be gone after this season. But I, if you're a Bears fan, it's a tough season. You're 3-6. and six. You're not going to make the playoffs. But at least you can watch your team and go, We have something at quarterback. We have a guy that just physically has a chance to be pretty special. Now, a lot goes into that, right? The the older you get, the more defensive looks you get, the more defensive coordinators try to expose your weakness. The moment you don't handle a certain zone coverage well, a certain blitz well, they'll do it relentlessly. And you constantly have to improve. You constantly have to adapt. Accuracy is a huge part of it, right? You have to maintain that. It has to improve, but I really like what I see. Now, I'm biased. I liked him a ton coming out just because I think he just kind of pops when you watch him on TV. A long way to go. But you. Don't, what do you think the Steelers would do for that right now? You think they would flip-flop him and Roethlisberger and take that guy? Because I'll promise you this. They would kick Roethlisberger to the curb so fast, your head would spin for Justin Fields. Not that that's that crazy. I mean, Fields was just taken 11th in the draft. But... Uh, I, I, I'm really bullish what I've seen out of fields these last two weeks. He has been dramatically better than he was the first, you know, five or six games, the Niner game and then the Steeler game. Tonight, Monday night football, bright lights on, playing the Steelers defense, getting his ass chased behind the line of scrimmage by T.J. Watt and those defensive linemen, you know, slammed out of the – when he, you know, the one thing, he lowered his shoulder on Minka Fitzpatrick. We're not playing Iowa or Indiana here. Got to get out of bounds. You know, when you get in collisions in, in, on Sundays and on Monday nights, you break clavicles, you get concussions. He'll learn, but I, I am very bullish on what I see from Justin Fields. Are you ready to amp up the excitement every college football
1: Saturday this year? All right, it's called Colin Cowherd's Saturday Spreads. It's on FanDuel. Free shot at big prices. Really simple. I choose ten of college football's biggest matchups each week. Make your picks against the spread for each one, and the fans who get the most right win five thousand bucks in prizes every damn week. Go to FanDuel.com/saturdayspreads. FanDuel.com/saturdayspreads, or you can just download the FanDuel app. Check in five thousand bucks every week in prizes. No purchase necessary age. Restrictions apply depending on location. Void where prohibited. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. C-O-L-A-N so they know I sent you exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund 10 bucks. Restrictions apply. See terms at Sportsbook. FanDuel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile slash web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Jersey, and Virginia. Or call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee Redline is 1-800-889-9789. Or go to 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text step to 53342 in Arizona.
0: At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash j-o-h-n. That's linkedin.com slash j-o-h-n to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
2: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Well, like many kids at 16, I got uh, a car that uh, came from my grandpa. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but because I was 16 and had no money, I didn't have a choice, I took it. And then I personalized it. I tinted those windows. I put in multiple 12-inch subwoofers in the back so my parents and everyone else in the neighborhood could hear me coming from across town. And I turned that thing into something at first that I was like, I want something better to essentially my dream ride at the time because I had a car at 16, Can't hard to complain. One of my favorite parts about car culture is regardless of the car you're given when you're young, you can find a way to make it cool. And that's what any young, innovative individual will do. I don't care what you're rolling in. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Winter's coming here in LA. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All season tires. All weather tires. Dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Pirelli tires. Ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years. Mobile tire installations available all over the country. Have you heard about this? They bring new tires to your home or work. Install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. See their Pirelli test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire
0: buying should be sometimes you got to take a deep breath after a long Sunday of football and then I spent this morning I I went back and I watched the Patriot game I watched the Chiefs Packer game Uh, I watched the Lamar Minnesota game or you know most of it I actually saw some of that yesterday and it's crazy the football is such a big deal I, I go, I usually on Mondays, my routine is I get up, do a little work. Then I go to the gym with my iPad and, you know, you go stairmaster or treadmill. And I and I am able to watch these uh, recorded versions of the game in like 30, I could watch the Packer Chiefs game in like 36 minutes. Yet there are several people there that are, one guy is this real estate guy, Is a big Bills fan. He's peppering me questions yesterday. He's like, I knew it. I, I, I never felt good. He, he's pissed off. Other guys are peppering me questions about the Cardinal Niner game. It it really is remarkable uh, how big of a deal the National Football League is right now. I mean, everyone has an opinion. It's such a national sport too, you know. In the Bay Area, baseball is really big here, but you only talk about the Giants. No one cares about the Yankees or the Red Sox or, you know, the Florida Marlins. But with the football, with the NFL, people come up to you, and especially, you know, some people know me at the gym or whatever, And they will ask about random quarterbacks. Like they'll they'll want to know the Tua situation. Uh, It's it's. I feel I'm glad that uh, I do this for a living in the peak of the NFL's power because there there are a lot of storylines flying, and it all interests me. But I want to start with the Patriots, and uh, they look good. I mean, they beat the living crap out of the Panthers. And going back and watching that game. They embarrassed him. They, they, they really did. Now, part of it was Darnold, but let's face it, it goes back to when Belichick used to face Darnold with the Jets. And Darnold had that famous, I think it was Monday Night Football, and he said, I'm seeing ghosts. And everyone freaked out. And, I, and listen, like he was just, it was a real moment on the sideline. Belichick's made a lot of guys in the history of football see ghosts. Back in the day, I think his game plans are in the Hall of Fame when he was a defensive coordinator against this guy named Joe Montana and Bill Walsh. You might want to Google some of his. Uh, what he did to them. And before Tom Brady came along, that guy was known as the greatest quarterback. And before Belichick came along as the greatest offensive coach, I know Belichick's not an offensive coach, the greatest coach in the history of the sport, arguably beside Lombardi. So Belichick's the real deal. And last year was tough. It, yet it was still impressive to me because what you do at your lowest moments and how you react to them. To me, I learn more about you than you do when everything's going well. Like, I'm learning more about Kyle Shanahan in his off years than I am in the year when he took him to the Super Bowl. In Belichick's worst season in 20 years, with a quarterback who could not complete passes, in a year with the COVID opt-outs where his team led the league, we acted like they won two or three games. They went seven and nine. They actually, it wasn't really that big of an embarrassment, especially when you factor in all the guys they were missing and how poor their quarterback play is. This year, their record early on wasn't that great, but they lost heartbreakers to Brady and to the Dallas Cowboys. And now you look up a couple weeks later, you go, they're five and four. They have a true identity. Their defense is fantastic. They got rid of Gilmore. They have not skipped a beat because their DBs are really good. Yesterday, they had a pick six. J.C. Jackson said he had stripped throat so bad last week. He thought he was going to die, and then he comes out. He's got multiple picks with a pick six. It was, it was impressive. Their front seven is awesome. Their, their defense looks great. And then they have a true identity on offense. I know everyone loves to anoint Mac Jones as the best quarterback in this class. Pump the brakes. He's been fine. Yesterday, he threw for like 120 yards. They can run the ball. They can really run the ball. They have a stable of running backs. And then their two tight ends are kind of coming on. And their receivers are just kind of meh. But they don't really depend on those guys. And as the weather turns in Foxborough, like let's face it, in Brady's latter years with the Patriots, they were not a wide receiver run operation. Now he was so good, but he was throwing to running backs. I was, uh, my other podcast I do with Guy, he works with Shane Varine And they've called games together and now they work together with the Pac-12. I played golf with Shane Vereen at the Olympic Club. It was really cool on Friday, and we played eighteen holes. And by about the third hole, I'm just peppering him with Belichick questions. And obviously, Shane comes—you know—a long line of backs that have functioned in that offense. They love to throw to you, and I kept asking him questions about the offense. I said, "Why is it so complex?" He said, "There's just a lot going on. It's not." He's like, "I played for Jeff Tedford at Cal." It's not because the offense on paper is that complex. The verbiage, every team that you go to, you know, calls things different, you know, whatever the formation is, motions, uh, you know, the audibles at the line of scrimmage, the protections. like obviously there are a lot of variables in any NFL offense. He said the most complicated part of the offense is that every look has like three or four different changes off them. So once you get to the line of scrimmage, It's things where if Brady back now, and and they're doing it, I'm sure, with Mac, is you can have seven variations off the same play basically two seconds before the snap based on their coverage. It's a thinking man's team. It's why so many players who intellectually can't hang football-wise get destroyed. And just because you're good in academics, and I learned this when I worked in the NFL, just because you're a 4.0 GPA does not mean you're football smart. There have been a lot of 2.0 students who are very football smart. Can you pick up football? And Belichick has always had very, very high IQ football players. And they clearly have that going on right now. And I, I watched them absolutely pound the Panthers, and I came away impressed. This week's huge. They're playing the Browns in Foxborough. This game, they win this game. All of a sudden, they play the Thursday night game the following week against the Falcons. You're going to look up, and the Patriots are going to be 7-4. and four. And beside Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans, who are kicking everyone's ass... The AFC is kind of in shambles. They're only one game back of the Bills. The Chiefs, we'll get into them later. Mahomes is way off. The Raiders, who knows what's going to go on there. Now, the Ravens are still playing well, but the Steelers are flawed. Like, the AFC is wide open. It feels much more wide open than the NFC. And I don't see how Belichick, who clearly now has a defense, their special teams is always solid, and he has a quarterback who can just complete passes. The guy's not throwing Brady like 350 yards a game. He's not asking them to because they're getting turnovers on defense and they're going to run the ball and that's going to be their formula. Now, do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl or hell even like represent the AFC? No, I do not. But I think they're a factor. I think they're the real deal. And part of it, like the the Panthers, on the other hand, they started off so fast and I was one saying that I would have traded for Sam Darnold. I thought he was incredible value. I was wrong. And I think I said this last week. He was he was atrocious on Sunday. The, the picks, but just his reckless nature. And I remember this off season. I think I've mentioned this before as scouting buddy said, like they were off him there. They, they said he reminded them too much of like an athletic Jameis Winston prone to make boneheaded decisions, prone to make throws that he has no business making. And that happened yesterday. And when you throw three interceptions and part of it's on Belichick, they're creating these turnovers. They're taking it to Sam Darnold. Uh, the Panthers. He has 11 interceptions. His touchdown to pick ratio right now is seven to 11. Seven to 11. I mean, that's that's atrocious, and it shows you also we love to anoint guys, and I'm guilty. Joe Brady, Joe Brady. Like, let's pump the brakes a little bit on Joe Brady. He was awesome when he had I don't know Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. We see him just with normal NFL players, and it's it's kind of a joke. I mean, it really is. And I got nothing against the guy. I'm root. I'm not like an anti Joe Brady guy. Hell, I, I think he's pretty cool. I, I enjoyed his story. Uh, kind of went from nothing to something really quick. But sometimes when you go from nothing to something really quick, you know, maybe we should have red flagged it a little bit uh, because it's been a little tougher for Rule and Joe Brady than I think we all thought it was going to be. And I, I definitely like the move they made. And when they made the move, they didn't just trade for him, they then picked up his fifth year option. Uh, now And now it feels like they're stuck a little bit. And, and the controversial play from that game is uh, Mac Jones, he got destroyed, I think, by Brian Burns, the outside linebacker defensive end, who just takes him out, number 53. And he grabs his leg because the ball's out and he doesn't know what's going on. And it looks kind of like he twists it and he twists his ankle and has a high ankle sprain or whatever. And I saw Mac today say, and I, I believe him, that... He got he got rocked so hard he didn't know what was going on and he assumed the guy had the ball, so he was just trying to take him down. And listen, based on I know social media thinks you know Mac Jones you should lock him up. To me, I I, I believe what he said. And, and listen, things happen in slow motion in football. It's so easy for us to judge on our couches on our desk chairs. It's another thing in the firing line between the lines of the game. So I I, I do not think Mac Jones was trying to hurt the guy though it didn't look great on his behalf. But I think when you heard his explanation about not knowing what was going on, not knowing, assuming the guy had the ball, you know, I I, I take him at face value on that one. (laughs) The other game that I I didn't really see yesterday uh, beside the score and the ticker, and clearly, you know, I had red zone on my second TV and it wasn't coming up that often because they weren't in the red zone very often, was the Packer and the Chiefs game. And if you haven't watched this, I wouldn't recommend watching it. It was a terrible game. It was it was really bad. Honestly, I'm not quite exactly sure what I saw. But let's start with the Chiefs. I defended Mahomes last week on Monday Night Football because he was just turning the ball over. And I thought we were overthinking a little bit. The moment he can cut out the turnovers, he'll be fine. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. He, he, he was really, really terrible. Uh, and again, his standards are sky high. We now evaluate him on standards of a top 10 quarterback of all time, on a guy that should walk right into the Hall of Fame, on a guy that should rattle off a bunch of MVPs. That's the standard we hold him to. And that's what happens when you get paid $450 million. And he knows that. The Chiefs know that. We all know. That's just the reality of the business. And right, that type game was, he is forcing passes right now that I don't understand why he's forcing. And one, he's not being very accurate on his deep ball. And his deep ball is something that clearly separated him early on in his career, and it's something he's comfortable doing. But I, I watch a guy that I feel like has like lost confidence, yet he still has his go-to pitch, which is the deep ball. Yet he can't hit it, but he keeps going to it over and over, which shows you truly how confident he is. Because most people, when they lose confidence, that you know the average player goes into a shell. Uh, they're they're just they they can't do anything. They don't even attempt to do anything. He is not afraid to keep firing. It's actually one of his greatest strengths is that he just keeps the pedal to the metal. But right now, his deep ball is way off. Honestly, it wasn't really close yesterday. But it feels like, and listen, I don't pretend to be Bill Walsh here. Like, I don't understand you know, why he won't just take a shorter attempt. Everything is trying to hit these go routes or these deep post routes in double coverage instead of just hitting the check down. And I think it's hard because they've created this monster of being the, one of the most explosive players we've ever seen. And now you have to kind of ask him just to relax a little bit, and you got to find middle ground. And I think for the Chiefs to be successful, and they're going to have a big game this week against the Raiders on Sunday Night Football, they're going to have to find some middle ground and somehow to be able to articulate it to him and then for him to be able to change on the field. Because right now what he's doing isn't working. It, it just isn't. Uh, that That was... That was as bad of an offensive performance I've seen by Mahomes since I've been watching him, and I and I basically watched every Chiefs game since he's began starting. That that was that was really bad. On the other end, like listen, the the situation—they got thrown in. They had to throw you know a guy that they would never play a snap. And, and let's face it, whether he's good or not, if we hadn't seen him, they were going to do everything humanly possible to keep Aaron Rodgers on the team for the next. Five, six years, right? in a perfect world, they want this offseason, and clearly nothing changed on Sunday to offer Aaron Rodgers $150, $160 million guaranteed and make him the quarterback for the foreseeable future. And I mentioned this on Friday. One bright spot of this situation for them, because every you know game matters, you know, in a division or in a in a conference where this is not the AFC. You might have to get to 14 and 3 to get the number one overall seat. And now with the changing of the playoff structure, having the number one seed is very important. You know, you used to have more room for error, right? If you were a really good team, because you could also get the two seed, right? And you could get the two seed, and that meant you also got home field advantage. Well, f- now with you just beat the Arizona Cardinals, and all of a sudden they win again. Now they're above you, so this game did matter because with if Aaron Rodgers had played this, there's no way they lose. <laughs> like they're they're just not especially with Devontae back they're not losing a game where the other team you know couldn't score 15 points like the the Packers win that game and I watched Jordan Love and I tried because when I watched Trey Lance originally against the Cardinals I I was pretty harsh on him Uh, and I think maybe it's sometimes it's unfair and I heard Colin actually talk about it on Monday you know when I was, I watched Jordan Love, I just, I, in my mind, I was thinking about him as a rookie, but then I remember, like, he's been in the league now a year and a half, right? He gets drafted now. It was weird. There were no OTAs in 2020, but let's never not forget, he could not win the backup job. And their backup last year was not Aaron Rodgers 2.0. It was Tim Boyle, and he, he couldn't do it. And then this year, in limited uh, preseason games, he got hurt. Yeah, I think that first preseason game, and had to come out of half and couldn't play the next game. So he really hasn't played that much. Because when I just watched him in a vacuum, he does have some talent, right? I, he looked pretty big. He's pretty athletic. He's got a pretty good arm. But then to actually play the game, I kind of inaccurate, pretty frenetic in the pocket. Didn't play very calm. Now, in fairness, it's on the road against the Chiefs. Now, granted, their defense statistically had been pretty terrible. But he did not look very good um not didn't look very good at all for a guy that you had to kind of take a step back is not a rookie though it was his first start now it wasn't late notice in the sense of he found out on friday or saturday like they knew all week he got all the first team reps and they do have really good offensive pieces and i I saw lafleur say it was on me it was on the coaching staff like i don't know, Matt. Like you, you, you just you're making pretty basic calls and he couldn't complete them. Like I, I watched a guy that just didn't feel very confident. And I, I remember I, I follow the Packers on social media and I remember watching LaFleur talk during the preseason. And he's like, one thing Jordan has to get better at is not trying to guide the ball, just letting it rip. And this gets back to Mahomes and Rogers and Russell and Tom, like when they're really on. And we talk about this all a lot, confidence. And I think it's no different any walk of life, whatever you do, when you are confident, like I, I just talk into the mic. People are like, how do you do this? Do you write out your show? I don't know, I just fucking talk. You know, but I've been doing this for a while. I've been talking for a living now for seven years, eight years, a, a long time. And really, I've been talking my whole life. I talk a lot. But whatever, if you're in sales, whatever your profession is, the longer you do it, the less you get caught up in your own... Own head about how to execute whatever you have to do, but when you're first kind of embedded into a profession, when you're younger, hell, it could be when you're older. Maybe you change professions. You can overthink, and when you overthink, it's harder to operate. As a golfer, I know that when I'm just not thinking and I'm just playing, it's easier to play well. When you're overthink, we we we've talked a lot about this forever with baseball players, with kickers. You don't want to get into your own head. And part of being a quarterback. What makes the position so difficult is that it's a thinking man's position, right? You need to call the play. You need to literally know what all other 10 guys are doing. You then also need to, you don't actually know what the other team's doing, but you need to be dis- be able to decipher by looking at the defense what they are going to do where the blitz is going to come from, how many guys are going to rush you, what the coverage is, where the middle linebacker is going to go, what the corners are doing, what their leverage is in the coverage, what individual corners, even in that coverage, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And then you just have to play. So it's it's very, very difficult. And I think as someone that talks about this and, and as someone who can just be critical, I do understand the difficulty that the position encompasses. Right, I have worked in it. I've seen it up close in person. Now, I've never played it, but I, I do respect the living you-know-what out of what it takes to be good at that position. And I think we all that are fans of football understand there's a reason why only so few guys, even the, there's 32 starters, and only like 12 of them are pretty good. And five of them are dramatically better than the other 27 guys, right? It, it is very, very difficult to operate. But this guy's got a long way to go. I mean, I watched this guy thinking, well, he's already a year and a half into his career. Now, granted, they drafted him in the first round, so he's got a fifth-year option. This guy's a total project. Now, granted, when he was coming out of Utah State, that was the... The knock is probably the wrong word, but that was the narrative. That was the way people inside the NFL talked about him. This guy's going to need a lot of work. But there are things to work with. Size, athleticism, arm strength, the problem with quarterbacks is one thing if I get a D-tackle and the guy's 6'5" 280. and You go he doesn't really know what he's doing, but can you mold him? You're like, yeah. But there's only so much you have to be able to do, right? Does he have a good get-off? Is he strong? Work with his hands? Is he naturally pretty, you know, relentless and competitive? Like we can create something. No different than like a, you know, a running back or a linebacker. It is more difficult to operate with projects. For every Josh Allen that was a true project, Coming out of coming out of college. Hell, even Lamar was a little bit of a project, though his athleticism and running ability immediately translated. And so did Josh's a little bit, but Josh had to pass more immediately to be successful. And it took him a long time. This guy is for a first round player, they are very, very lucky that Aaron Rodgers has been on the roster. Because if he had to play, and listen, I, I think LaFleur is a pretty good coach, they would be in May, they wouldn't win games. That they just wouldn't win games because they couldn't beat the Chiefs, whose offense was terrible and whose defense coming into the game was not playing well. Game, uh, the, while the scoreboard was close, I didn't feel like it was that close watching it. Uh, and again, I recommend if you don't need to watch this for work, don't waste your time. I talked a lot about Vrabel on, on Sunday's podcast for Monday. And one guy, I went to bed thinking like, you know, I didn't talk enough about Stafford because, and he mentioned this after the game, he's like, I spotted them 14 points. He threw a pick six. He threw another pick where he was doing like a 360 in the end zone. I think the guy ended up getting tackled like the five yard line. They punched it in, but he gave up 14 points. And I I think he's such a polarizing player because he was so easy to justify. Well, no one can have success in Detroit. The two best players in the history of the franchise both called it quits At 30 years old, that's the Lions organization. And even Stafford had some success in Detroit, right? He made Pro Bowls. He helped them make the playoffs several times, though they never won a playoff game. And I think, listen, if you work in, you know, forever in, in radio or television, you could go, this guy is a really good talent. He's just on a station that no one's listens to. If you put him on a bigger station, he would be a star. Right? This guy was a really talented actor. If you put him on a good big show, he, the cream will rise. And you can always play that game when you think someone is talented and they're in a shitty situation. You go put them in a good situation and they'll thrive. It works in every walk of life. But just because you place them in that good situation, not everyone actually will thrive. And I'm somewhat. I'm a Stafford fan. I, I've known people that have played with him, love the guy. And as you know, I'm a sucker for arm talent and sucker for tough guys. He encapsulates that. I am rooting for Matt Stafford. But there have been a couple times this year, and last night is a good example, uh, where you just go, you know, there's a reason that Belichick, most of his assistant coaches, he tries to hire early in their 20s because he molds them and he brings them up because when you then become a coordinator or position coach for him, he wants you to think like him. And if he hires someone that's 40 years old that has been in the coaching profession for 15 years, you already have some of your philosophical beliefs. Right? If if I got hired to go work somewhere right now, right at 37 years old, there are going to be some fundamental things I'll promise you that won't ever fucking change that I will stick through in terms of my philosophy when it comes to business, when it would come to sales, when it comes to just operating. Now, I would be open-minded if I'm around talented people. It's not like I would not listen. But there would be some probably non-negotiable stuff. And that's just, it's human nature. It's right, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But if you get a puppy, it's like my, my dad, my brother, Big Duck Hunters, when we would get young labs, they would go for like six months to train. And then when they would get back, they'd be ready to go. They knew the calls. They could. They would listen. Now, not Callie didn't listen that well, but Bailey listens pretty well. Now, granted, she's not a great hunter, but that's a whole other story. But my point is, you have to train up a, a dog usually in their puppy stage as they're growing. Once they get like five, six, seven, they're not just gonna like change. Humans are no different. And I do watch him a little bit and wonder because one of the knocks on him was this hero syndrome, right? Because he had to be a hero in Detroit for them to have a chance. Well, now he's on a team with a lot more talent with a really good defense, turning the ball over, throwing bad picks will immediately lose you a game in a big game on Sunday night football against another playoff team. He was never playing in those type games. Most Matt Stafford games happened at 10 a.m. on Sundays. I bet the majority, if we did a study of like the last decade of all of his games in Detroit, I would imagine that 75% of them were 10 a.m. games. If you live on the East Coast, the 1 a.m. games, the, the, the first set of games every day. like That's the window he plays in. Like, I got news for you. You know when the good teams play? For us on the West Coast, 125, Sunday night and Monday night football. That wasn't, That's not the Lions' uh, time slot because they all, for the most part, always suck. Guess what the Rams do? They play in big boy games. They play in standalone games. They play in, you know, Al Michaels calls their games a couple times a year. They will also play in several Monday night games. They play next week the Monday night game against the 49ers. And there's just more pressure. And I I think he's still trying to battle this. And there's a chance that if Sean McVay, who I think is the real deal, can coach some of these habits out of him, if it's even possible, you might not come to fruition this year. They actually might be better equipped The following year, it happened with Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan. That first year, I remember Matt Ryan saying, we didn't really see eye to eye. It it was very difficult. And then the following year, I realized he had a lot of good points. He was going to let me do so-and-so that I still wanted to do. But I was going to capitulate to some of his demands. And I was cool with 80% of it. And we met in the middle and we kicked ass. That's what happened to Matt Ryan. Hell, that's what happened to Aaron Rodgers the second year with LaFleur. So I'm rooting for it. Though I do see some things that I I just throw up some red flags on because anytime you're 32, 33 years old, you already have a couple hundred million dollars in the bank. It just can be... We're all humans. It can just be difficult and you might actually have to go through some tough times before you ever open your mind to listening to someone else because, you know, in defense of him, now he's never really won big, but he's made a lot of money doing it his way.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
0: well, like many kids at 16, I got uh, a car that uh, came from my grandpa. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but because I was 16 had no money, I didn't have a choice, I took it. And then I personalized it. I tinted those windows. I put in multiple 12-inch subwoofers in the back so my parents and everyone else in the neighborhood could hear me coming from across town. And I turned that thing into something at first that I was like, I want something better to... Essentially my dream ride at the time because I had a car at 16. Hard to complain. One of my favorite parts about car culture is regardless of the car you're given when you're young, you can find a way to make it cool. And that's what any young, innovative individual will do. I don't care what you're rolling in. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time. Every time or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people checking out what everyone's doing, hiring should be easy. And that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, a couple other things, and, and I had mentioned this with Cliff Kingsbury. Apologized. I, I he's kicking ass and taking names, and and they look fantastic. One guy I, I I didn't give enough credit to as well is the general manager, and I was thinking a lot about it today. Actually, is when Steve Kym, uh, you know when he drafted Josh Rosen. And he hired, I can't even think of the coach, the one and done coach he hired, the a Wilkes, the defensive coordinator from Carolina, who was a disaster. And you know, the the owner clearly liked him and gave him the ability to kind of clean house and fire the coach. And when he when he fired the coach, it wasn't a great crop of guys. And he hired Cliff Kingsbury, which was a ballsy move. You know, I mean, Steve Kime is an old school offensive line guy. And he hired a spread offense coach. And the time he had success, he had Bruce Arians, who is also just an old school. While well, he passes the ball a lot, you know, I, I don't know if Bruce Arians and Cliff Kingsbury schematically have that much in common offensively. Uh, so he, he kind of put his you know nuts on the table for that hire, and then also he drafted a quarterback number ten overall, who in the scouting community was pretty highly thought of, was very traditional, right, six four pocket quarterback with a big arm. Well, when he hired Cliff, it was clear Cliff really wanted Kyler. And for his offense to have the most success, you had to draft Kyler. Well, part of drafting Kyler meant getting rid of Josh Rosen. So, and he also did that. Like that takes balls. The Cliff Kyler thing took balls. And now it's really starting to work, you know. And then because of Cliff, he has Colt McCoy, who they're comfortable with. But think of all the other moves. One move that I was like, I don't know why they did it when they signed J.J. Watt, like clearly his leadership really mattered to their operation. When they signed A.J. Green, who I was told by a wide receiver coach, his film last year, he thought he was shot. He's been good for them. Now, obviously, he just missed the Niner game because he's on the COVID list. But I I think he's been really good. And I think if teams around the league knew that he was going to be this good, his interest, you know, just in terms of a free agent would have been much higher. Uh, Rodney Hudson, who the Raiders got into a position, like Rodney Hudson has, was one of the better Raider players the last couple decades. High character, fantastic player, starting center. Boom, trades for him this offseason, the moment the Raiders wanted to get rid of him. So he acquired Rodney Hudson, J.J. Watt, and A.J. Green. And then last year, he and he's always been able to like, Chandler Jones available, DeAndre Hopkins available. DeAndre Hopkins has accounted for 13 touchdowns since he's been a Cardinal. So Steve Kime, I, I don't think is getting the credit. Like, he should be heavily in the mix right now for executive of the year. Because wh- the more and more I thought about the Niner game yesterday, obviously they were missing a ton of starters. But part of missing a ton of starters and being a good GM is like, is your depth good? You have guys that are backups that are just credible NFL players, and they clearly do. Uh, and the team that he has built, and, and listen, they have a pretty good operation. Because Cliff just coaches the players, and Steve Kime just drafts and signs them. And it, it's working. And it's working really well. And there's a reason that they're 8-1. and And they have the best record in the NFL. Uh, and I, I think, obviously, their coach is coaching his ass off. He's been awesome. He just clowned Kyle Shanahan at Levi Stadium. But I, I, sometimes their general manager, and I'm, I'm a sucker for bald guys. And obviously, Steve Kime's a, just a big old bald guy. Uh, he, he's been... He's been really good as a general manager, really the last couple years. And you're really seeing them benefit from it this year. And last but not least is, you know, the MVP conversation. Who's going to win it? You know, Kyler was in the mix. I think Kyler was hurt a little bit yesterday just because how good his team is. Colt McCoy comes in is like 22 of 26 and they scored with ease all game long. Uh, I think Lamar Kind of had a moment yesterday like, hey guys, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, m- my team's six and two. We had a million injuries. Uh, yeah, I just ran for 100 plus yards and threw for over 350 and threw for three touchdowns. Now, one of his picks was, might have been the play of the day by Barr, tips it to himself. But Lamar is, is really fantastic. And one of the knocks I had on him a couple years ago, I just went, you know, he's just such a run first quarterback, you know, a little bit. Obviously, on a much higher level than like some of the, uh, you know, the service academies in college football. That when you get them down because they can't throw, uh, they can't ever catch up. Well, now Lamar is coming back from big deficits, kind of with ease. And yesterday, he put the team on his back and said, "Don't worry, guys, I got you. Let's roll." And they win again. And you know, talking about Belichick and the AFC being wide open, they are going to be a mother. Now, clearly, they're compromised, just big picture, you know, just with all the guys that they had to put on injury reserve. That does eventually, you know, come to fruition in a big game when you're missing some star players. But as long as you have Lamar Jackson, who is playing as well as he's played this year, in a weird way, under the radar. Uh, I don't know if it's because he's won an MVP in the past. I don't know if it's because Baltimore has been such a sexy team the last several years. But to me, they feel like they have more grit Like, they have a little more character this year. Uh, I mean, they're running Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was taking snaps for them at running back yesterday. But Hollywood looks awesome. Mark Andrews is clearly a good player. Bateman, the Minnesota wide receiver they drafted, is a good player. Uh, They're good. And Lamar, to me, is every bit as any dude in the league right now in the mix for MVP. And. If I had a vote, I don't. Roger holler at me if you're listening. I I would love a vote. I mean, I just spend dedicate every Sunday of my life to watching uh watching your league. Uh, I, I I think I'd have to think long and hard, but with Derrick Henry out, I I think I'd probably check the box next to Lamar Jackson's name right now. Now it's we still got, you know, another half of football, right? They got eight games, seventeen, so they got they got nine more games. we got a lot of football left to be played, but we know they're gonna play in big games, right? The Steelers, the Browns they're just, you know, one of the sexier teams in the league still. Uh, I, I think he has a fantastic chance to win. It. I mean, yesterday, his running ability, it, it, you know, I, I always thought Michael Vick was the best runner I'd ever seen, but Michael took so many shots. He couldn't slide. He ended up always getting hit. Lamar is not a slider either, but he gets down so fast that he avoids so many hits, and part of it are the rules now. Guys are hesitant to take leg shots. Uh, I, I, I've never... Disliked a guy more coming out and come around and now he's like must watch TV for me as Lamar Jackson. So right now for me the MVP of the league is Lamar Jackson. <laughs> okay, let's get into the MiddleCoff mailbag at John Middlecoff is the Instagram DMs wide open. Uh if my DMs look anything like my text messages, obviously have a lot of 49er people in my life, have a lot of season ticket holders in my life. Uh, people get angry fast, you know, there's, it's, you know, they say it used to be forever and the media has this perception. Like it's really hard to be a, a player. I think it's just hard to be a coach a football coach in 2021 college or pro you take, I I'd say more shit than players by far. Uh, especially when you're a play caller, I, I think you consistently take more heat. And here's the thing. If you're a player, even a quarterback, like you make $30 million, you make three X, what a top coaches make. And some of them make five or six people in my life right now. And this guy, I went to the Super Bowl two years ago when they were in it. They hate Kyle Shanahan, not the actual human, but his coaching, his attitude. People are very, very mad people. And you know, anyone listening to this, you're a football fan, the coach, people get mad at the coach and they get mad at the coach fast. You know, everyone says they, they like the juice. They like the money. You fucking get in that firing line. People are coming for that ass. They want you gone. It's it's not easy, man. I uh, and listen, I'm not defending him. He's been terrible, but I I do I do respect uh, how hard it is to be in that position. You know, I've saw it firsthand with Coach Hill. And a couple years after I left Fresno State, he got fired. I was there with Coach Reed when he lost his job. Obviously, for Coach Reed, he he got you know sent to greener pastures. Alex and then Mahomes, and he won the Super Bowl. So, you know, it doesn't define your career if you go through a rough time, but it, it's not easy. And, you know, no coach wants to lose, right? Uh, but some just find themselves losing. And Kyle right now is losing a lot. Quick question about Odell Beckham Jr. I see he's telling people that if a team with a losing record signs him, signs him there could be a problem. See Glazer's report. Would teams really care? Why wouldn't a team out of contention like the Lions sign him and hold on to him and flip him for draft capital after the season? If I'm the Lions and I think I can get an extra pick, why not take it? I'm using the Lions as an example, but it could be anyone. Miami, Houston, any of these teams with a waiver priority. I hear what you're saying. I also think, you know, one, you're not guaranteed the way he's been. They, they couldn't trade him right now. He was an untradeable asset at the deadline. Nobody wanted him. Now, part of that is... You know, the salary cap space midseason is it's a complicated situation, but he's somewhat toxic right now. So I saw Dan Campbell. If you're listening to this, by the time you're listening to this, maybe he's been claimed. Uh, Dan Campbell obviously said tonight, today they're not in the business. I think a lot of these teams don't even want to mess with it. They got their own issues if you're a terrible team. But I hear you. Like the I mean the organization I came from, Howie Roseman, you better believe if he thinks he's an asset, he won't give a shit. So yeah, I don't think he's a lock to get through waivers. Also, here a quick pushback. In what world is Odell Beckham can act like LeBron James? You know, like Odell, you have no leverage. You you've been terrible. You have like 40 catches the last two years. You tore your ACL last year. The team just cut you. And they, they proceeded to go out and kick ass and take names two days after you disappeared. We all just saw it. Hell, I didn't even watch most of that game, but I kept looking at the ticker and it's like, Browns are up 10. The Browns are up 20. <laughs> You're gone. They dominate. Now, part of that's Nick Chubb's back. And God, Nick Chubb is really good. You know, Henry's the best running back in the league. I, Chubb might be second. But like, Odell Beckham's dictating terms. You <laughs> know I mean? What what are we doing here? What what world are we living in? Now, I, I also just think at this time of year, some people are like, yeah, whatever. You know, they, he doesn't need to dictate terms. A lot of teams wouldn't even mess with him. Uh, mailbag. Why do the Chiefs suck this year? So many drops, turnovers, careless mistakes. I don't understand how it just keeps raining mistakes. I enjoyed watching them the last three years, but I find myself changing to a different game when they play. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously, I, I'm with you. I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, I, I loved, I always loved watching them. I still do watch them, but that that game against the Packers was a tough watch. I, Mahomes is just out of whack. Something's just off with him. I, I don't know what it is. He's just off. I don't have any inside information. I haven't even asked. He looks healthy, but he's just, it's just, it's bizarre. There's no way around it. It is bizarre. It's bizarre to watch. You go from being that good to just this off. Now, I've said it over and over. This is fucking big leagues. It's hard, you know? It's like, I was going to say Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods missed some cuts, but actually he didn't miss cuts in the peak of his powers. But pro sports, baseball, basketball, football, tennis, golf, whatever. F1, NASCAR, the highest level of anything is difficult. And it's so much easier to hunt than be the hunted. Because the wind blows the fastest at the top of the mountain. Everyone is gunning for you. That's human nature, right? Everyone's gunning for Bezos. Everyone's gunning for Elon. Everyone's gunning for Mahomes and Brady and and Rodgers. You know, it's easy to be the up-and-comer. It's kind of easy to be Josh Allen. Like, he's got nothing to lose. Like, even last year. And obviously this year, you know, a little more pressure. It's hard when there's tangible pressure, right? There's tangible pressure on all of us. Whether you have a family whether you have a job, whatever, right? There, being a human, there's pressure to survive. It's like the animal kingdom, but there are rules and laws, right? We can't eat each other. But, you know, the private sector, we kind of do. You know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. Uh, but there is a lot more pressure when you start having success. You know why? Because everyone wants to see successful people fail. Not everyone. I don't. I like celebrating success. But a lot of booger eaters, you know, love seeing people fail which is kind of weird but that's just the nature of human psychology and then the people in that industry when you're dominating are coming after you so it's just every day you have to maintain you have to sustain you have to improve if you don't improve the people coming you know coming for your spot are improving there is a segment of people that are dedicating their life to get your lot and land to get your market share you know to beat you on the field It's very, very difficult to be Tom Brady, Derek Jeter, Aaron Rodgers, Steph Curry, LeBron. Like, everyone's coming for that ass. Every day. And young up-and-comers, think about you 24-7. What's weird about Mahomes is he's young. But he had so much success that now every team he plays, you better believe that defensive coordinator that week and his defensive unit, I mean, that's their Super Bowl. Whether it's in October or whether it's in January. You know, and so it's a one-and-done playoff game or it's the seventh week of the season. Who cares? That's a big deal. That's a, everyone in that guy's family, that's a moment they can remember the rest of their life. I picked off Patrick Mahomes. I sacked Patrick Mahomes. My team beat Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead. It's just part of the deal. At what point do we acknowledge the 19 team was an extreme outlier for the 49ers? Kyle and company repeatedly get outplayed and outcoached at every turn. There should be wholesale changes at the end of the year. I just don't wholesale changes. J- j- might want to Google the history of the York family. Beside three Harbaugh years and Kyle Shanahan's year, everything under Jed York football wise sucks. So this notion that like wholesale change, like who's making those Jed York. What are we talking about? Now listen, Kyle has been an abomination this year, but no one's getting fired. They're not making any changes. Now, Kyle might fire an assistant coach or something, but this notion of like fire Kyle. So what? Jed York can go hire a coach? I, I've seen him hire some coaches. Jim Tom Sula, Mike Singletary, to name a few. Chip Kelly went 2 and 14. Worst season in the history of the Niners. I'd like to keep Jed York out of the uh, the interviewing circuit. You know, just Kyle's got to figure this shit out. I'm with you. It's really ugly. No way around it. He's got to do some internal looking. I, I I got a take for you. And it's not yesterday wasn't his fault. Jimmy Garoppolo's average is the day as long. Get him out there. Start working in the young quarterback. If you're not going to make the playoffs this year at three and five, you probably aren't. Who cares? Get this guy ready for next year. You know the guy that you traded multiple first round picks for? Put all your chips in the middle of the table for the young kid. Because Jimmy Garoppolo, the news hurt. Why? Jimmy throws. If you're a wide receiver for the Niners or a tight end like Kittle, you better be able to jump like, uh, you know, like Russell Westbrook, because every single ball is high. He if this was if they played in the '90s, every guy on the team would get knocked out, ribs shattered, because Jimmy throws these guys into harm's way. Jimmy, Jimmy's just not that good. As just an unbiased watcher of football, who's been watching football professionally now for a long time, he, he gets worse. He is not. I don't care what his stats are. These guys against the Cardinals were pulling catches out of their ass. Brandon Ayuk on one ball that he fumbled jumped like 17 feet in the air. Kittle is having like one-handed catches. Jimmy Garoppolo stinks. He's just not good. He wasn't the problem yesterday, but he's by no means the solution. Is Zeke overrated, underrated, or properly rated? I want to hear from someone who actually pays attention. His first couple years, he was elite. He was he was probably underrated. He was a dominant, dominant force. He did everything well. He could run inside. He could run outside. He's a great pass blocker. And he can catch. He's not quite as fast anymore. I know he got hurt yesterday. I didn't watch that much of the game. But I, I think when I've watched him this year, he's been solid. I'd say most people don't think he's an elite guy. Now, if you factor in his money, he's overrated. If you just factor in like an NFL guy watching him and just saying, yeah, he's an average, solid starter... He's probably properly rated. He's definitely not underrated anymore. And he, I mean, Pollard's faster. Zeke, I, I just think you just lose, you know, you just, you lose some of your short area explosion. He's not quite as quick. He's still, I'll tell you this. I I would not want to tackle that guy. He's a fucking load. You blitz on Zeke Elliott, he's going to blast you in the chin strap. Say, you couldn't pay Saquon Barkley a million dollars to block a soul in pass protection. And I know Saquon's hurt and not even good anymore, but Zeke's the best pass blocker in the league. He's a tank. So there's more to football sometimes than just running, right? He he protects Dak, who last time I checked makes $40 million. Why do some coaches pull the shit that Avalos tried with Boise State? Playing well and have momentum and you bring in the fucking third string guy? Just classic trying to outthink the room. I don't know. I mean, I can't hate on Avalos's performance. I put 500 bones on the on the dogs. They were heavy favorites at home, six and two or seven and two, and Boise, you know, absolutely rolled them. <laughs> they 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 clowned them. So I I was pretty hammered. Probably by the time they brought in the third string guy, but let's be real, it didn't matter. That was a Boise State ass kicking. Fresno State needs to lick their wounds and figure their shit out. Unacceptable. That was, but Boise, when I was at Fresno State, Boise was so good, it was stupid. I think they had 12 guys drafted. Kellen Moore is one of the best players I've ever seen live, college or pro. Now, obviously, he wasn't a pro quarterback, but how good he was as a college player, I'd say Reggie Bush is the best player I've ever seen live in college. Matt Leinert was pretty unreal. I didn't see Tebow or Cam, but obviously, those guys were fantastic. I'd put Kellen Moore up, you know, on a top 10 list as a college player, an unstoppable force. Uh, Love the pod, the inside the development storylines have only been listening three months, but look forward to Monday, Tuesday and Friday. My friends and I started a podcast a couple months ago and we're gaining momentum. I like it. I wanted to see I wanted to reach out and see what tips and guidance you have uh, that could help. Well, I'd say the number one thing is be consistent. And, you know, doing a podcast, especially if you're not making any money off it, you're like, oh, we don't have to do it today or we don't have to do it Sunday. You know, like you got to you gotta be consistent. So whatever the days you do it, you have to be consistently do them nonstop for several years. It may take, I, I didn't make a dime off the three and out podcast for a couple years. My other podcast, we made very, very nominal money the first couple of years. And I easily could have quit or tried to do something else or I, I don't even know. I mean, I, I wasn't going to go sell insurance. But I, I had a vision and I, and I thought it was going to be work. But every single... I mean, producing six, seven podcasts a week and then several other you know, hours of content. You just got to keep swinging. If you keep swinging, even if you're not the best or the most talented, your podcast is never going to have Caller Daddy or Joe Rogan numbers. If you just keep swinging, most people will quit. Most people will stop. Most of these podcasts going right now will not exist in a couple years. I'll promise you that. But, you know, a small percentage of them will and they will keep, you know, gaining on market share just cuz every single day or every other day, you know they're coming. And that would be my number one piece of advice. Stay consistent with your production. So if you if you produce it Tuesdays and Fridays, every Tuesday and Friday, all year long. Now, if you take a week off in the summer or whatever slow months is, but you can't be like, where where have you been June, July, and August? You're like, oh, we just took the summer off. You get forgot, you get passed, you get lapped. In in 2021 society, we barely remember a week ago, let alone two years ago. So you you get forgotten fast. So you you just got to keep, keep it coming. And then obviously you got to be good and you're probably going to need some breaks. You know, someone to, I don't know, you know, kind of publish you is the wrong word, but promote, push you, help you. Uh, maybe you blow up on YouTube. I, I don't know. But I, I, I do think, and I listen, you can make fun of the TikTokers or the Paul brothers or whatever all you want. I, every single one of them that is blown up online, they've all said the same thing. For years, we did content before anyone knew about it. Every day, consistently. I, I, I truly believe more than like, how famous a guest you can get. Because even if you get the most famous guest, let's just, I'm just going to pull a, Matthew McConaughey, Tom Brady, whatever. It's just a one-off situation. That that guy is not guaranteed to come back in in terms of the listener and the consumer in like a month, right? But if maybe he just subscribes your podcast, it's like, oh, he did another podcast today. Oh, he did another podcast the next day. Oh, he's doing this. Maybe they follow you on social media. Maybe they start liking you, right? And they tell you their friends about you. That's my number one piece of advice more than like the microphone you use. Obviously sound quality matters. I'm I'm a sucker for sound quality. I hate any time that I'm I'm trying to trying a new podcast and their their equipment's bad, I'm I'm out. But I, I might be an outlier. Maybe you don't care as much. I, I don't know how the consumer thinks about that. I know me personally, if I'm in the car, an interview on a radio, not that I really listen to the radio anymore, has bad cell phone service, change the channel. Immediately. It's the number one way to get me to tune off. Religious listener of Three and Out, could not agree more with your takes. You're always spot on. I appreciate that. And one of the real ones. Love the show and the segment on Zach Wilson. Just a positive response here. Love the show. I think Rodgers thought if he contracted COVID, he'd be fine, recover, and then get treated like a vax player until or before the Super Bowl. Obviously, he had no idea if, when he might get it, but that's what I would do considering what I heard on the McAfee interview. Likely a stale narrative by the time you read this. I, I don't know if he thought that he could avoid it because you don't—you have no clue when you can get it or not. I just think that he didn't want to get it. Just that simple. I, I just don't think he wanted to get the vaccine. And there are players, there are a lot of players in the NFL that didn't want to get the vaccine either. And they got it just because they knew it would be easier. There's also no guarantee that if he had the vaccine, that he would have been able to play this week, right? Devontae Adams got it last week and missed a game. Now it was different because it was a short week, but he still might've missed the game if he was vaccinated. And listen, the media, like what he said about the masks is not wrong. Now, what he said, I I don't know, ivermectin, I I can't even pretend to tell you what that is. I know Joe Rogan's talked about it. To me, it's simple. And I I truly do not care. I have never once, once, and I'm just telling you my opinion, never thought, is this person vaccinated or not? I, I don't care. It does not bother me. Now, I know my mother has got seven booster shots already. So she's always thinking about that. I've never once in 19 months Thought, does this person have COVID well before the vaccine? Can I get COVID? Is this guy vaccinated? I I just do not. You're asking the wrong person. So if I I was, unlike the media, I was not triggered at Aaron Rodgers at all. And I actually thought he made a lot of good points at the theater of the mass, which is not really debatable at this point. But no one in the media is going to write an article on that because they're just going to get viewed as an anti-vaxxer. But said this about college football, and I say this about the NFL. The moment Nick Saban got the jab, and the moment Tom Brady and Bill Belichick got the jab, like it was going to be hard for any excuse, no matter what your research was or what your opinion was, right? Now, and I get, like, I want to have children. If it ever comes out that for whatever reason I'm sterile because of the jab, that would be a problem. So, like, that honestly kind of resonated with me. Even though I've already got the shot. Who knows? We'll see. Only time will tell. <laughs> just got to keep practicing up until then. <laughs> but, like, I, I I was not angered at all by what he was saying. And I honestly think, hot take, I don't think most people are that angry. Uh, any of these opinions. I, I I think it's such fake outrage by all these people. Uh, You know, like, shouldn't we be angry about it cost me $120 to fill up my gas tank? Or if I go to Safeway, what used to cost me $100 now costs me like $180. Like, shouldn't that's where our anger be? But listen, I, I understand like my, my mother, cancer survivor. Everyone is different with the COVID and the reaction to it. You, you're listening to someone who was pretty unfazed by it all. And also was pretty disgusted by a lot of the reactions of the of the shutdowns. I also live in California where uh, we arbitrarily still mask mandate. Yet I got to have a vaccine card everywhere I go. My gym just lifted that like last week because of the county. So it doesn't add up. None of this makes sense to us normal people. It just, stuff just does not add up, you know? And I understand people, you know, uh, I guess the uncertainty. Now, I would never spend that much time doing research. The moment, you know, a couple people that I know and trusted got it, I would just get it. But I'm also. You know, not as rich as him and wouldn't, you know, give up a paycheck. Like Rogers didn't get paid last week. That, he did not get paid because he's treated as an unvaccinated player. Now, will he be back this week? I also think he gained a lot of leverage because everyone realized that Aaron Rodgers stinks. Or not, I mean, uh, Jordan Love stinks would be strong, but has a long way to go. Like they can't replace Rogers with Jordan Love. But if you went on Twitter, everyone would have acted like Aaron Rodgers should be kicked out of the league, get rid of him. I would imagine a lot of people that watch that, he resonated with them. And that's where uh, I think we got to be careful with the media's reaction that obviously doesn't represent everybody. Clearly, the information's in. You know, I saw Coward retweet something today. But yeah, it's a little skewed on the, uh, on the Twitter streets. Uh, so we just, I, I try to be cognizant of that because my friends don't think like that. People I associate with don't think like that. I wasn't around people that celebrated, I don't know, when the economy got shut down because a lot of people in my life weren't like me. Can't just work from home. My brother doesn't work from home and work never stopped. Quote unquote, essential worker, you know? So it's just everyone's reaction over the last 18 months is not the same. But everyone's is when they pull out their wallet right now because things are very, very expensive. Hell, some of my favorite items that I order on Amazon are out of stock. Supply and demand. The the supply chain is starting to piss me off. Just some basic things you kind of take for granted. Uh, But that's a... I don't want to rant on this for too long. Enjoy the week. Talk to everyone a little later. Godspeed. You'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply.
4: This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.